I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is TV worth talking about. You didn't float up the lagging on a bubble. I'm veering towards muffins. Stop making a tip yourself and piss off. This is Shrine of Duty. You are very welcome to a brand new episode of Shrine of Duty. I'm Hannah. I'm Brendan. And I'm Rebecca. And we hope you have a very large mug of tea or beverage of your choice and a gorgeous Easter egg because we have much to discuss. Why did Steve suggest a takeaway to Kate when his insides are struggling, to say the least? (laughs) Are we just going to let Ryan, the bolt cutters to the finger, murdering child, start a fresh life as an MIT officer? And Manny Moore, Brendan is on your social media theories and line of juicies this week. We have a klaxon at the ready, do we? Uh... (laughs) <laughs> there we go Brendan Me frantically, frantically looking for the nice pink button yeah. yeah if you'd call that at the ready I've got your email series <laughs> and Reb had the unenviable task of recapping season 6 episode 3 and what an episode it was but first an apology much like Ted Hastings may rescind a rag 15 I have to rescind my claim vehemently made on last week's podcast that's Jeff Corbett lived near the hill i also believe because <laughs> she was on a hill. i not only said that <laughs> honestly would have said that would have gone to my head that's where that woman lived i also believe i set the whole show in london a show that we've been watching for 10 years that where is this podcast it's about. just in the general Back midlands it, area it's in the midlands mm. so while they did kate and steve did have to drive north and that comment was made about how far north steph corbett's house is i just told you chose to disregard all of that and just make a claim that she lives in London. 7,000 people tweeted us about this. <laughs> I apologise. I also feel like we probably need as a podcast to just address the fact that we don't have a fucking clue what we're talking about. Just for anyone that's joining us for this <laughs> No, we are, we are Nor just Nor have we confused. ever claimed to. No. We don't no. know what's going on. We don't, like, some people have messaged us like, we don't see episodes in advance. We don't have any information. We actually <laughs> get it from you guys and then tell it back to you. So um, if you're very excited it's for that, it's a very that, clever model, isn't happen. it? <laughs> It's an extremely <laughs> clever business model. Yes, user-generated content to the extent. Okay, Reb, you, you got the work. You do all the work. We read it out for you. You're so welcome. Hope everyone's comfy because here's Reb with season six, episode three. Take it away, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this episode opens at Hillside Station. Chris reveals that a witness has come forward who claims to have seen the row that the Chiz, Alistair Aldroyd, had with Gail Vela's murderer, right? So he interviews this witness. Her name is Deborah Devereaux. How glamorous. Sorry, that's so glamorous. 
And that's she, the best name potentially on the show. Are you joking? She basically says that one of the men involved was definitely Oldroyd. Now, I have to say, I love that the word definitely is being thrown around a few yeah. times in this episode. You know, to jog our memories back to H's dodgy spelling on the fake MSN in season five. More on that later. But I loved that yeah. from the get-go. She was like, it was definitely him. So Deborah is shown an image of Carl Banks, but she says that the man that the Chiz was arguing with looked different. So this results in Terry Boyle being brought back in for questioning, and he's accompanied by Ryan, the bent bastard, baby-faced serial killer Pilkington. Ryan tells Terry that everything will be fine as long as he keeps his mouth shut. My heart broke for Terry at this point. Terrifying. Yeah. I love how the music changes every time Ryan appears on screen. Yeah, it does this like it gets real sinister. Yeah. So, Kate and Joe interview Terry, right? They tell him that a witness claims that he was arguing with Oldroyd at the pub and they ask him if he confessed to being involved in the Vela murder. Now, Terry is becoming increasingly stressed here. He eventually replies, not me. So, Kate tries to push Terry on what he means by that. But Joe tells him to take his time because it could be important. Couldn't really figure her out here. No, neither could I. She's like, take well, your time. This could be important to yeah. shut the F up. Perhaps? Exactly. Well, because her and Ryan are clearly in cahoots. So Ryan doesn't want Terry to speak. Therefore, Joe doesn't want Terry to speak. So Terry's now shaking, guys. Um, and he eventually says the other man, he did it. Now, some people thought that he said Ian, but he said he did it from the subtitles. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because I had them on and that helped me a lot in this episode. So basically, Terry here implies that there was another man in the pub with Oldroyd. Um, Kate asks who this other person is, but Joe says that she's concerned about Terry's welfare and she shuts down the whole interview, right? So afterwards, Kate is fuming and she's like, listen, Joe, we were finally getting somewhere. She was about to say something about the other man. He could have mentioned uh, Carl Banks and he could say who was involved in the swap. And Joe basically argues that in court that the defense is going to claim that they were intimidated or they intimidated a vulnerable suspect and the whole thing could collapse which is a valid point yeah she was like you're used to investigating bank coppers and you can push them as much as you want but not like you know like lay people yeah so that night Ryan and a police officer named Lisa Patel put Terry into a police car to bring him home to his approved accommodation Kate spots them as they're leaving and decides to follow Ryan tells Lisa that there's a new route that's been assigned for Terry's security but she says she knows nothing about it so he offers to direct Right. So as Kate is tailing them, she notices the car take a strange turn. So she calls Chris to double check the POA for Terry. And Chris confirms that he is being brought home and he's due back in the following day to resume his interview. So this is you're like, oh, God, Terry is in serious danger here. It's all very tense. And Kate almost loses sight of the police car at one point. So Terry's now asleep in the back of the car. And Ryan says, oh, Terry's nodded off. Bless him. Jesus. Did, did Terry just nod off or did Ryan do something to make sure he was asleep? Oh, I'm did not he just, sure, actually. I thought that he might have. He wouldn't have wrecked after that interview. Yeah, true. Um, Ryan then asks Lisa to open a window to get some air. So she has to open the window from the front if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and as the police car approaches what we now know is Edge Park Reservoir. Suddenly, Ryan turns all Richard Hillman. He attacks Lisa. He swerves the car into the water. Ryan swims to the shore, but the car sinks. Suddenly, Lisa comes up gasping for air. Ryan and Lisa wrestle, but he overpowers her and he pushes her head under the water and drowns her. Horrific. 
right? As this is going on, Kate is pulling up and calling for backup. Then we see Terry Boyle rise from the water. And Ryan, he was under there for so long, I didn't think it was going to happen. So long, but Ryan like quickly changes his tune. He goes from trying to drown Terry to pretending to save him in a split second. I mean, the man does really think fast on his feet, doesn't he? He's a bollocks. Right? So later on, forensics arrive and they pull the car from the water and Kate immediately notices that the window in the back seat is open. So she's like, hang on a second, that's weird. Um, And Joe says to Kate here, oh, well, thank God you were passing. And Kate lies and says, oh, it's just a pure coincidence. Ryan is then staring from the ambulance at Kate as she rings Steve in AC12. And I'm like, Kate, you in danger, girl. Yeah, it's quite clear to everyone that Kate wasn't just passing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. no it is. No, Joe's Joe is now on. Joe to doesn't her. believe her. Ryan knows she's onto him. Yeah. So next guys are the also we we really need at some point, and maybe now is not the time, but we need to discuss Chris and where we feel his loyalties lie. Yeah. If he's bent or not. He's very quiet, but he's there for lots of important moments. He is um, also that car. There was a little Easter egg for any, well, I presume it was an Easter egg for any train spotting fans, the film that made um, Joe Davidson's career, Kelly MacDonald. The red plate of that car was BE66BAI, which spells out Beg B, basically, which was Robert Carlyle's infamous train spotting character, which was pretty cool. You know, this whole Easter egg thing, I I had to, guys, Google Easter egg urban dictionary this week because I didn't know in terms of television what an Easter egg was, because I think we'd mentioned it for the Line of Duty trailer ahead of season six. And people kept mentioning Easter eggs in the trailer. And I was like, oh, yeah, hmm, Easter's coming. And I didn't really put two and two together. <laughs> so I had no so idea only, until like, this we're week. We're not even noticing the Easter eggs, but we don't even know what, what the actual term means. Yes. Do, does it mean that you're just being brought yeah. on an so, egg hunt for all the secret hidden messages? Basically. There's, yeah, it means exactly. that there's hidden messages on screen and they're called Easter eggs. You're just thinking about chocolate, love. Yeah. Okay, next. So guys, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, in the next scene, our beloved trio are back together again briefly in Ted's office. Kate says that she believes there was an attempt on Terry Boyle's life and it only could have happened with leaks and collusion of members of DCI Davidson's team. So Ted originally looked very angry at the sight of Kate, but he does say that the department is grateful for her cooperation and asks Steve to put Terry's accommodation under surveillance to protect him. Okay, we then see Chloe staring at Kate. Like she is staring her out of it as Kate chats to Steve at his desk there's also a shot of this random woman walking in for a bit too long did anyone notice no, this no I didn't cop this oh my god in the words of Nikki Graham who is she <laughs> so she's basically just waving at Chloe I think it's just to show us that Chloe is staring at Kate okay so I don't know if Chloe's just a bit maybe intimidated that Kate's going to come back in and take her job yeah. or is Chloe up to something because again like Chris we don't know too much about Chloe either this happened before with who got fucked out the window Georgia yes yeah it happened before Kate and Steve were split up and Georgia went in there and Steve just doesn't take too warmly to Kate's replacements ever and I think the same thing is happening to Chloe he took a bit warmly to George ding dong um, okay so guys this is where Kate and Steve finally cop that Ryan Pilkington is the baby bent bastard from the Tony Gates case to try he tried to chop off Steve's fingers Kate even interviewed him when he was a juvenile so listen let's talk about Ryan's police file for a second oh is there a do I have a line of juicy here oh yeah go on Little bastard near damn cut off my fingers. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Um, so after Steve realises that Ryan tried to cut off his fingers, they look at his police file. Um, and I loved on the police file that it says that Ryan had no special skills. Oh. <laughs> like they could put throat slitting in there, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, and cycling around on a bike, robbing phones. So something else that is uh, interesting here is the name of the training officer uh, who trained Ryan, and that is Or Matulloch, right? And I saw someone on Twitter pointed out that this could be a link with Billy Matulloch, who was the original SIO on Operation Lighthouse before Davidson yeah. took over. We got yeah. so many emails I have this in my social things. theories, yeah. So we, we still obviously don't know why Joe was put in charge or by whom, okay? So Steve says that after the Gates case, a neighbourhood copper took Ryan under his wing, got him back into education, and Kate wonders how Ryan's record fell off the system. She's like, listen, maybe someone just missed it or perhaps someone removed it. And Steve wonders how Ryan just magically ended up on Davidson's team looking after Terry Boyle. Yeah, there's a few thoughts and theories on this later on as well, on that scene in particular. Right, so now, Kate is leaving AC12, guys, and I loved this scene, right, because she's about to get into the lift, the doors are about to close, and she and Ted share what I believe is some sort of knowing nod. Mm, But is this a bit like the hay bale and Lisa McQueen that time, and we look and we go, we feel like Ted is giving more of a look or knows more I think Kate, actually I think does. Kate could be working undercover for Ted I don't know it just that look was very it could just be oh Kate it's great that you're back and you're helping us but it also could mean a lot more than that and it was just a split second too long yeah do you know um, okay mm. next Chicken Licken aka Steph Corbett Chicken Licken she calls Chicken um, Licken. she actually calls Ted and she's like I'm worried about Steve Chicken Licken and <laughs> Ted is so annoyed Ted's like why Buy is two, Steve get one calling free. to your house Chicken Licken um, <laughs> But basically here, I assume here, this is where Steph tells Ted that Steve has a problem with pain medication. Yeah. We don't find that out until later, but that's what happens here. But Te- Steph... Also, guys, can I just say, a couple of people that have only started listening to the podcast for this season, like, tweeted us there on Sunday, and they don't have a fucking clue what we're talking about with chicken licking. But, like, obviously, it's a reference to that. Well, not obviously. It's a reference to a book yeah. that Steph Corbett was reading her children while her husband was had his throat cut by Ryan Pilkington of MIT. Yeah, she was reading Chicken Licking in her Liverpool accent as John Corbett's throat was being slit. It was over a, over a lovely montage, very um, romantic. So now Steph it Corbett really is just romantic. known as Chicken Licking. Chicken Licking. We took it and we ran with it and we took it too far and here we are now today. Here we are. Someone tweeted us last week saying that they just randomly keep saying Chicken Licking. Like, you know, during <laughs> the day. <laughs> it's um, so much fun to say though. Probably not the cleverest thing to do during a pandemic. Chicken Licking. <laughs> it's just a lot of, <laughs> yeah, you know... Yeah, yeah. Saliva. Um, a, a lot of throat action. Okay, there, sorry, there is a lot of throat action. So here, basically, <laughs> Ted is getting really annoyed because Ted, first of all, is like, why is Steve Arnott sniffing around? And then also Steph keeps ringing Ted on the work phone and he's like, call my bloody mobile. Now she says his phone was off and he said he was doing an interview, but I f- he's obviously just screening the calls, right? Yeah. But yeah, she, she just keeps ringing him. Jesus. The following day, Chloe gets her hands on recordings from Gail Vella's producer that were never broadcast, right? So... Owen Teal's name are actually in the opening credits this uh, episode for the first time, okay. which was quite interesting. Mm. And also, some people now think that the overuse of Teal in the interiors is to do with Owen yeah. Teal, because his name Owen Teal is Osborne. But anyway, that's just, I, I don't know if that's a reading too much into things. So here we see footage of Vela basically doorstopping Osborne, who is Steve's old boss from season one. And she's calling him out on incorrect figures for police recruitment and funding, right? There's also this real glamorous sit-down interview with Jill Bigelow's BFF, Rohan Sindwani. Um, and it's all about rooting out police corruption. Now, 
there's a lot here guys and I, I, I included it all because I feel like the Gale flashbacks are severely important and they will be important to the story yeah. going forward this whole setup looks like a Julie Etchingham ITV special you know when she gets the Prime Minister or one on one who interviewed Prince Andrew when he said he didn't sweat Emily Maitlis oh, yeah yeah, I, I got that She's kind an of vibe. Yeah, I got that vibe as well. Um, so basically, Gail asks Rohan um, about the conviction of Chief Superintendent Patrick Fairbank and about an inquiry into the suppression of police investigations into child sexual exploitation. So Rohan says that Osborne actually assured him that there is insufficient evidence to support a public inquiry. But he asks, um, but Gail then asks, sorry, how it doesn't concern him that officers that may have colluded have been allowed to retire without facing justice, and some may even be serving that was shocking mm-hmm. right so Rohan is like well that was all before my time but Gail says that during his term instead of pursuing guilty police officers celebrities and VIPs were investigated without charge Gail also says that his officers arguably colluded with let me turn the page the BBC <laughs> enabling a news helicopter to film the search of an elderly pop star's home again without charge. Now, lads, I'd had a few Easter Sunday wines and I was live tweeting this week, but I nearly fell off the sofa the fact that they referenced Cliff Richard. Oh my God, I'd also be offended they if they don't give a shot. <laughs> no, it's the fact that they called him elderly. No, I mean, what age is Cliff Richard? Someone called me an elderly pop but star. But he's got to be, be at least in his 70s. Oh no, he is, yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Rebecca, what did you, what did you call him? Um, <laughs> who who was that LTV pop star that you referenced fancying in one of our recaps and what did you call him do you remember oh, she, who do I think is hot Rod Stewart no it's um, it um Rod Stewart no it's not Rod Stewart it's um uh, Mick Hucknell oh yeah oh no my it God. was Rod Stewart and was you it? honestly called him like a gorgeous aging man or something she also fancies <laughs> Mick Hucknell guys sidetrack <laughs> me and Brian were talking about Hucknell earlier on right Rod Stewart this is a good <laughs> sidetrack is- Completely irrelevant but to the podcast. Rod Stewart's door manager came out this week and said that Rod Stewart uses mayonnaise and a towel to get his hair So Rod Stewart back in the day rubbed mayonnaise on his hair and then frantically rubbed a towel <laughs> over his head and that's how he got his iconic look. And Reb thinks because, because there's so much protein in mayonnaise that's why he's kept most of his hair. And I also think the headline should be Maggie Mayonnaise. So, sorry, that's a sidetrack but I do think I have two good questions for you. What? Number one is Mick Hucknell, the lead singer of Simply yeah. Red. Yeah. And I love the talk. The man looks, like, the man looks like Chucky. You. We're going to... We're going to talk about this later because that's a problem. Number two, do you think someone like text or ran Cliff Richard and was like, look, Pat, I just think you should know before you read it somewhere else that you've been, do you know what I mean? That you've been been called an elderly pop star in In the BBC's biggest TV drama. Oh my God. In the biggest TV drama to air in four years. And I just wanted to give you the heads up before you read it in the Daily Mail tomorrow morning, Pat, with your mayonnaise. Well, Vela points out that... um, the Sorry, elderly, are you just moving on? Yeah, the elderly pop star <laughs> was again released without charge. Guys, we're going to be talking about Mick Hucknell for two hours otherwise. Okay, move on. Money gets bad <laughs> Okay. Anyway, Rohan doesn't Our answer. Craig loves them. I'm sorry. What? He loves them. Both. Your fella Craig loves, loves Mick Hucknell. Are you, there isn't a house party we've ever had where Simply Red isn't being blasted and we'll just leave that there. Oh my gosh, amazing. Um, anyway guys, Rohan doesn't answer any of Gail's questions and he ends the interview, right? So after watching that footage, Steve looks like he's about to have a panic attack because he realises that AC9 are in the office carrying out routine drugs tests, right? Shit the bed, guys. Sorry. Like, that is terrifying. Yeah, he pops pills like they're smarties. 
So he suggests to Ted that he better go and check on Terry's surveillance, but Ted says that he already told AC9 that Steve wouldn't be available today. So basically Ted knows about the pills, but Ted's given him a second chance to try and sort out his shit, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, like, guys, those are just over-the-counter pills, aren't they? Yeah, but they're, like, yeah. limited. You know the way... Whoa, I d- actually don't know. You know the way... Is it like salpidine? It's like salpidine and urofen. You know the way you don't need a prescription, but you do need to tell them you've got an appointment for a root canal and you're waiting 10 days. That kind of nonsense. Yeah, because yeah, he had to go to a couple of pharmacies. Yeah, you can only buy one like, box. Like, if... Will that show up in a drug test as a bad drug to take? I'm sure it will show up that there are levels that it's a drug Quantity. and he's taking too and many of codeine's them. codeine's highly addictive. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's I once got addicted to Feminax. Sorry, one second. They're sorry. so good. Is that for period pain. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry that's, for a second, Brendan. That's sorry. Are you ovulating? No, like? guys. I so I didn't believe this, but nothing. And I actually was genuinely waiting to get a root canal done. Nothing would numb the pain. One of the girls in the office said, "Take two of these." And I swear to God, you've all been keeping that a secret for years. Then they changed the ingredients, and they don't work as well anymore. Oh, okay. But for a while, I had an Feminax addiction. I it's really all like coming I'll, out in this I'll podcast. This. <laughs> I feel like I'll honestly be able to finish this sentence on next week's podcast. I come in so much shock that I haven't formed an opinion on Brandon's feminine addiction yet that I will be coming back to this. Go Thank back you. to that in thoughts and theories. <laughs> I will actually have my own thoughts and theories about this. I just need to take a minute from Mick Hucknall to the feminine I just need to just take a second now and just take that all in and see how I feel about it and see if I need, to, if I should be actually worried about you guys. <laughs> Well, if it's good enough for your Craig, I think Mick Hucknall's good enough for me, guys. Um, okay, so Ted Wright is then called in by Andrea Wise and Rohan, and they are raging that AC12 have charged Jattery and arrested and released Davidson because they thought they made it clear that AC12 were just to do a performance review of Operation Lighthouse, right? So Rohan says he's actually had to call in a few favours from half a dozen editors to keep the arrests out of the press. Interesting. Andrea Wise brings up um, that they all actually just want justice for Gail Vela's murder. And Rohan randomly chimes in saying Lovely person Terrible loss With as much like Enthusiasm and genuine feeling As Matt Hancock pretended to cry On Good Morning Britain I feel It was, it was outrageous Um, That was an amazing clip Now then guys, Ted comes back with a line of juicy This isn't about old battles. The name's Hastings, ma'am. I'm the epitome of an old battle. Now, Brendan, that is a really good line of juicy, but it's actually not the one that he says there. For fuck's sake. He says, jump the gun, Pat. My actions and the actions of my officers are determined by one thing and one thing only, and that is the letter of the law. The letter. Thank you. It's the feminist gone to Brendan's head. It's I'm it's I'm withdrawing. Haven't had me. <laughs> so guys, after that, Rohan brings up how Operation Pear Tree found that there was no institutionalized corruption in the force. Ted then mentions that the figure with the code name H, the fourth man, is still at large. Now Rohan is fuming here, and he says that Ted is making things very difficult for him. Sorry, guys, Rohan has to be bent. Also, Ted did Ted in whatever he said there. Did he dismiss the idea of H? I've watched this only twice this week not three times uh, Saz um, I felt like he was a bit dismissive of the H he was like oh you know what was known as H but now the fourth man yeah I, I was felt that here pooing the H thing no I felt here that Ted was just saying oh yeah H the fourth man okay. because basically Andrea's trying to fob him off because she's like well we all know you're on your final warning so you shouldn't waste your last roll of the dice on chasing a phantom 
So Ted yeah. obviously was into it if she's trying to fob him off with it. She then um, says that Ted's inquiry into hate should close because this isn't about old battles. Will I do it again? Yes. The name's Hastings, ma'am. I'm the epitome of an old battle. Guys, that line deserves an award. It deserved two lines of juicy. So good. Well done, Brendan. I'm glad you had your time to do it again. Thank you. Okay, guys, that night, Steve, uh, who is now actually off the pills cold turkey, he drives to Liverpool to confront Steph about telling Ted about the painkillers. Liverpool from London. (laughs) Yeah, guys. As they are chatting, eagle-eyed fans notice that the design of the tiles in Steph's kitchen make out the letter H. Guys, Jed's teasing us. Guys, everyone that tweeted that can just stop because that (laughs) is absolutely in there to wind everyone up. That's nonsense. I do like it, though. I like a little. I feel like we're playing a game of cat and mouse. Um, Okay, so basically the the conversation here, though, uh, it ends with Steve basically being like, sorry for barging in. And he's like, Steph, you were obviously trying to do the right thing. Um, And he also says that Ted made sure that he missed the drugs test as a warning to sort himself out. Steve, obviously, though, playing both sides, he goes straight to Chloe and AC12 and he says, will you look into Steph and John Corbett's financial records? Um, Now, guys, this is something that I think is really interesting here and I only spotted it on the second time round or the third. So, Steve asks Chloe to check the records, right? But randomly, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll fire over the case number when I'm at my computer. And I thought that that was so weird that that was left in. It's such a weird detail. He's like, oh, I'll just fire them over that number. He roll it down on a piece of paper so that Ted won't see it. Exactly. So uh, he's never going to give her that official file. So he just got Chloe to go and look into that. Um, And yeah, I thought it was really interesting because he doesn't want Ted to know that he's looking into that John Corbett thing. So he thinks something is going on with Steph and Ted. Mm. Well, yeah, because he knows that she had called him at least that once in episode one and that Ted and her met in the lobby downstairs. very quick thinking on Steve Arnott's part, like... Yeah. Do you know? I thought that was interesting, right? So at the hill, guys, Kay questions Ryan about the reservoir fiasco. Joe is watching the whole thing like a hawk from the next office. Kate points out that there was a different route taken. She asks what caused the car to veer off the road. And she brings up the window being open and how it would have permitted him to escape underwater. So Ryan blames the whole thing on Lisa, obviously. He says she chose the route. Um, she may have even seen a muzzle flash from a gun. But there was no evidence of a gunman, but he says maybe. And he also says that Lisa opened the window to give him some fresh air. Something he says he thanks his lucky stars for. Yeah. He's like, I've racked my brains, ma'am. I love the way he's like, bless him. Yeah. Do you know what? He's like, my lucky stars. He's not even trying to get away with it. He just, he's a confident little shit. He is a confident Mm. little shit. Um, Kate says that Lisa's fingernails were actually broken and she had bruises on her neck and it's really strange that she drowned even though she was a very strong swimmer and the water wasn't deep and Ryan says that he has no no idea what happened because he was too busy saving Terry Boyle. Like the little angel that he is. Yeah, no, sorry, my pages are stuck together. You can't lick your finger, fingers as a pandemic. Must all the mayonnaise from talking <laughs> Sorry. Right, guys. I knew your hair was looking extra gorgeous this week. Thank you. Don't need the Olaplex. I've got a bit of mayo. Um, Okay, guys, next. Big breakthrough in the AC12 case. Terry Boyle's missing freezer is found in a scrapyard, right? It's been dumped in a rush, fitting the exact window for Boyle to have been substituted with Carl Banks. Chloe says that the security footage is missing, though, and the staff won't talk, which really does stink of OCG intimidation. We also find out that Joe's team didn't really think the freezer was very important because they thought that Terry just sold it to buy drugs um, and Steve reckons that Terry is a victim of cuckooing 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 yeah cuckooing. 
Um, and this basically means that his home is invaded by criminals to carry out illicit activities. So now that Ryan is in the picture too, Ted and co reckon that there is a connection between Davidson and the OCG. It was very useful of Steve to explain in the show what cuckooing meant. If they could do that for every new acronym, we'd be very thankful. It was a night kind of like laddering in season one with Tony Gates. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Memories. Well, this kind of OCG connection with Davidson theory leads Steve and Chloe to try and interview Farida Jatry, who is in Brentis prison, to try and get more info on Joe. However, this goes tits up because one of the evil prison guards that attacked Lindsay Denton with boiling water in season two has already broken Farida's wrist to stop her from talking. Like, guys, that bitch, when the camera turned around and I saw who it was, because it took me a second, because we obviously haven't seen her in a long time. And I was like, is that? I was like, Oh my God, it is. Do you remember Jed actually tweeted when season two was airing on BBC One being like, you never know when these guards are going to turn up again? And was the second one outside the door? Because the door slammed shut as she broke her wrist. I so is the so. other one there as well? We one, one would assume. Yeah. Okay. Now, guys, Steve heads to the hill and he asks Joe why there's no record stating that Fella's house was burgled when she was killed. He asks Joe if she removed the files when the DCC gave Joe's team permission to delay AC-12's access. Steve tells Joe that AC-12 have new confidential evidence so they need to interview Terry and he tells her about Farida being attacked and how only the OCG have power to silence a witness in prison. Steve then asks Chloe to get a warrant to expand the search at Farida's to try and find someone else's Prince and DNA, a.k.a. Davidson's. So Steve is after her now. Okay. Now that night though, guys, Steve's having an awful old time with the back pain and he eventually does reach for the pills. And can I just say, Martin Compson's acting in this episode, incredible. Yeah. But he downs them with some Merlot. <laughs> I mean, look, worst he combinations. That Merlot. Guys, your liver can't take the alcohol and all that level of medication. Like he's playing a dangerous game. Has he tried Feminax? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Now, the next scene's really interesting, guys, because Kate, this is Hannah, you'll love this because you think Chris could be dodgy. The next scene, Kate... I'm worried about him, yeah. Yeah, he asks Chris, she asks Chris if he checked for CCTV from the row at the pub or even did a background check on the witness who claims that Terry was rowing with a chiz, Deborah Devereaux. And he's like, oh no, no, I haven't checked any of them. And I'm like, mm, Chris, guys, I, Chris now is one to watch. Chris is going to kill Buckles in the next episode with God, Ryan. I love the way that Chris says sixth. So we would say sixth and Chris says sixth. Or, no, I can't do it properly. The way he says sixth is really hot. Oh, <laughs> is that the I'll right have to way? go back and watch that. <laughs> There's something about it. I, anyway, I'm very suspicious yeah, guys, of Chris. I, I'm very suspicious about Chris. He looks like Josh. That wasn't done just for the crack. That he looks like Ryan as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he a hybrid like of the two. He looks like Dot and Ryan had a son. Okay? <laughs> Someone thinks he looks like and- Nigel Morton as well. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, there wasn't there a child born last year that had three genetic parents? I could be wrong, but anyway. Now, this is this future, is a record for the most amount of tangents we've ever gone on one of these podcasts. The most amount of shite ever talked. It's a, it, we're in the future. And the bar Three is people high. can come together and have a child. The bar is <laughs> This is highbrow content. Um, and they've created Chris, and I'm very suspicious about him because people keep telling him to do things and he just goes off and does them, but they're never really done properly. Mm. And then the people that ask him to do stuff are the ones under suspicion, but he's just pissing around half doing things. Him and, and Buckles are like very palsy, Hannah. 
very palsy. And we all know that the hill is extremely corrupt. And I would just have an ass checks now on him. And I actually might do something we've never done before, which is put up a live poll right now to see if people think Chris is bent. And then I'll come back and reveal the um, statistics at the end of the pod. How exciting. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, Steve then actually pays Steph another visit. And he... Oh, sorry. He actually has got his hands on her financial records. So he does go up to Liverpool and he asks about John's life insurance. Now, Steph reveals here that her mate owns a hairdresser's and that she bought into a share of the business and she works there part time. This is the most talked about thing on our social media this oh, week by far. Jackie Laverty season one, yeah. Miroslav Minkovic in the front. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that in uh, our social theories later on. Now, things take a very saucy turn here when Steph pours Steve a gigantic drink and tells him that he reminds her of John because he's good and caring. Once Steph finds out that Steve doesn't have a girlfriend, she invites him upstairs. Bring that drink with you. Mm. Oh my God. I like a woman who knows what she wants though. Yeah, True. Meanwhile, Kate and Joe are having a glass of wine in Teal Restaurant. Um, Joe tells her that AC12 want to interview Terry about organised crime. And Joe says that AC12 must get, Brendan, I can see you getting ready, a pound for... Or oh, am I on a different sorry, line oh of juicy? no, we have a different line of juicy then. Oh, well, my uh, preferred line of juicy here is that Joe says AC12 must get a pound every time someone says OCG. I thought oh, that was so good. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that one. I picked up on one that she says just after this and it's when they discuss about Farida and Joe. Yes. Yeah. So Kate kind of insinuates that there's rumours that her and Farida were really close as in like that they were in a lesbian love affair. Yeah. And Joe says Farida's a liar and then what Kate has heard is, is wrong. And then what else does she say? Uh, so then um, Joe is like, oh, I can imagine like the office gossip about all of that. And then Kate goes... Yeah, tell me about it. All it takes is a short haircut. <laughs> Did he say miss that? Oh, yeah. oh, very good. I was wetting myself at that time. And I used to have, I had Kate's haircut for years. Yeah. Oh, I just couldn't stop laughing. Now, you know what's weird though as well? Joe like rushes off to the loo, but she's like, that's just not me. So Joe's basically trying to insinuate here that she's not a lesbian. Yeah. Like she was holding Kate's hand in the last episode or the episode before yeah, that. I very strong. Oh, I think I Joe mean, now knows. We don't need labels for no, anyone we don't, anymore, but do I we? think Joe now is very suspicious of Kate, so she's just not doing that whole love affair thing also, anymore. Really quickly here, somebody, I don't think I have it in my theories later on, um, tweeted us to say that um, about all the slag and I'm giving Prezzo over that restaurant and they're like, it's actually a oh, yeah. really <laughs> nice independent like tapas bar in Belfast and they gave us the name of it and they said, you must try it. It's, we must go. couldn't be further from a chain. Well, we are going. As soon as we're allowed to travel again, we're going up to Belfast. We have lots of plans. We will do it, guys. Okay, so basically Joe is like to Kate, everything you heard is wrong and Farida's a liar. So next up, we see Steve and Steph spooning in bed, but we find out that they didn't ride, right? Steph is just really lonely and she misses John. And Steve confesses that he's still having problems with little Steve after his injury three and a half years ago. So when Steph suggests that he should see a doctor, Steve says he doesn't want work to know that his back isn't right because his job is all he has left. Hmm. You really do tell someone all your secrets and you're lying next to them though, don't you? Yeah, but is he deliberately telling her though? Well, this is the thing. So <laughs> I do believe what Steve is saying is true to a certain extent because we do, we do know that he had issues in season five with Sam. Um, but also I think it's possible that Steve isn't going to sleep with a witness again and ruin his undercover investigation after what happened with Denton in season two. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And when Steph leaves in the morning to drop her chicks to school, Steve does some snooping wearing gloves and he eventually eventually finds a large brown envelope in the attic filled with cash, which still looks pretty full, guys. 
Yeah, a lot of people as well saying that obviously we as viewers would assume that that's the cash that Ted gave her. But Steve would have no reason to assume that that cash came from Ted. No, but Steve might think back to when Mark, like, I don't know if he's put it all together, but like Mark Moffat did say the whole time it was a hundred grand that he gave Ted. So I don't know. But also it is weird that revenue is after Steph for money when that money in that thing doesn't look like it's been spent at all. Mm. Interessant. There's the hairdressers. She'd be laundering. Yeah. Is now the time to talk about why, like, is Steve just trying to, like, is Steve trying to get Ted in trouble? Is he just such a good copper that he needs to always do the right thing? Why does he give a shit? Like, his back's in bits. Go home, hon. Have a Feminax. Put it on the chase. Like, why do you care about the 50 grand so much? I don't... I'm unsure where his motivations are coming from. Do you guys feel that way? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he just always wants to do the right thing. Maybe he does still have that question mark over Ted after season five. You know, maybe he still has a part when of him. When Ted went rogue into club. Yeah, maybe he still has that kind of suspicion because Kate just left and maybe Steve doesn't want to leave but at the same time his loyalties are torn. He's like, is Ted capable of of being slightly bent? And also remember Ted shouted the Fahrenheit order in his ear to shoot dead John Corbett yeah. and Steve was like, yeah, no, no. no. Okay, so that combined with, say, the reason why he, like, left Philip Osborne's team in the first place. He has this, like, drive to be good and figure out the truth and then also maybe still a suspicion over Ted. I hope so. He was standing beside Steph Corbett's uh, tile that had H on it, so I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot more to that storyline and there's a lot more to Steph Corbett. Oh yeah, okay, we'll get into that later. Okay, so at the hill, Buckles has gathered everyone around and in the same breath of saying that Lisa lost her life in the line of duty, he puts Ryan forward for a commendation for his role on the night. Buckles also does a really strange photo shoot with Ryan, like full paparazzi flash. Yeah. And at this point, Kate says to Joe, we could have at least waited till we paid our respects to Lisa before jumping at a photo op. And then Joe just goes, twat so good also guys while Kate and Joe are having a bit of a bitch about Buckles there's a shot of him in his office on the phone guys he's actually examining a golf club like I was <laughs> howling at that I couldn't stop laughing and he has full on prints in the office as well of like lovely golf pictures as well it's outrageous right um, anyway Kate's obviously horrified about the carry on very like Dot's commendation in season 3 as well Yes. Saw that point today. Clearly bent. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So yeah, Kate's horrified and she kind of uses this opportunity here with Joe to be like, oh, well, who actually put Ryan on the team? And Joe says that it was Buckles' idea to put Ryan on the team because they're family friends or else maybe he got a nudge down at the Masonic Lodge. Interessant, guys. Yeah. Okay. So after uh, Joe pulls up outside Farida's house and we see that she figures out that AC12 are doing a forensic search of the place, she rings Chris to confirm that. Meanwhile, at HQ, Chloe gets the results of a forensic report from Terry Boyle's freezer and reveals that a blood deposit inside is a 99.9% match to someone well known to AC12 from a previous case. (laughs) Jackie Laverty. Jackie Laverty. Help me turn. And guys, at about 20 to 10pm on Easter Sunday, most of the UK and Ireland squealed at their televisions at the mention of the name. Guys, we, Jackie Laverty. Like, guys, <laughs> I hope Gina McKee no is on some sort of than you, No one louder than me. Ted then responds with what I believe is a line of juicy. <laughs> 
and woe betide anyone getting our way. Oh, no, I'm, on the, oh, I'm on the wrong one again. He goes, what? Jackie Laverty, Tony Gates has been on the side. I just <laughs> love that he said that. that. <laughs> so basically, guys, the important bit here is that AC12 now know that the gang involved in Jackie's murder were also involved in the Vela murder, okay? It also fits with Steve's theory of cuckooing, right? Cuckooing. <laughs> Ted says that Terry must have a tale to tell or three so this could be why Davidson shut down this interview and tried to kill him or someone tried to kill him so Ted then goes and this guy this is weird right Ted then goes to ring Ian Buckles at the hill yes us. What? what is up with that mm. and we do see another scene of yeah, Buckles guys, like screaming hear- down the phone <laughs> I was cracked up at Buckle screaming down the phone because if you just watch what he's saying in the background, he's having a faith that he's even been contacted by Ted. It's so funny. It's hilarious. But also, guys, as Steve goes to leave here after the AC12 meeting, he's called in by a member of staff for the routine drug testing. So that's going to all come out next week's episode. Yeah, and then Chloe says to him, she's like, oh, they do it in two stages so that the druggies can get clean. Oh, so Chloe's on to Ted there as well, yeah. perhaps. Um, okay, guys, back at the hill, um, Kate tells Joe that the witness who claims to have seen Terry in the pub with the chiz actually had assault charges dropped against her in 2012 thanks to the help of a DI at Kingsgate Station, Ian Buckles. So your one clearly owed Buckles a favour and light. That's what she's implying yeah. there. Um, Joe chimes in here, very convenient. She's like, oh, that cock up over surveillance authority was Buckles as well. Mm. Mm. Um, so basically she's like otherwise you know we would have arrested Banks and instead Banks is dead and the Chiz is dead as well so Joe is loading all of that onto Ian Buckles then guys Buckles is brought into AC12 like Tina Arena in chains <laughs> oh have I got a, a line of juicy here yeah this is bollocks total bastard bollocks guys the way he says total makes me think of Kat Slater I became a total slag. I wasn't just any slag. A total I was a slag. total slag. She's the best character that's ever been on television. She, she inspires goes, my look. She's the reason I have red hair. Oh my God, Hannah, you do dress like Kat Slater and that's a great thing. Thank you so much. I honestly, like as a little 10 year old, I was like, ma'am, I want to be Kat Slater when I grow up. My mom's like, get that off the telly Well, now. you do have and her then I did. faux fur coat with the leopard print. And the it's hoops. all because of her. Yeah, yeah. Honest to God. That storyline, and I'm sorry to get sidetracked, but the storyline when we found out that her sister was actually her daughter was Guys, the fucking best thing I'm before Line of Duty that ever aired. I'm still not over it. It's the most shocking thing I've ever seen on television alongside, was it the opening episode one of Broadchurch season two? Fell on the floor. Yes. Oh, yep. I haven't seen you that. You fell on the floor because I texted you. Yeah, I bought yeah. it before Brandon. And then I was like, Brandon, here's the link. Watch it. And he literally, I was waiting by my phone to <laughs> for the reaction. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, um, anyway, Buckle sounds yeah. like Cat Slater. I didn't become a little bit of a slag. I became a total slag. Total slag. <laughs> now, that's my line of juicy of the week, which is the thing that I'm making happen. <laughs> Buckle saying you became a bit of a total slag. <laughs> total slag. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Finally, Kate informs Ted that they even found the missing Vela files in Buckles's boot. How convenient. And Kate and Ted share quite a nice moment here. Um, she says she's glad she could help. Um, and Joe Wright heads back to the fancy house. Two floors, which I missed the first time, yes, right? I missed that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mother of God. She locks the door a hundred times, as you do, and she takes out a laptop with fake MSN on it. She sends a message saying, all under control now. The unknown user begins to type back. But before we see what they've replied, the credits roll. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Very good recap, Reb. I, this was definitely my favorite episode of season six so far. So good, guys. Incredible. Incredible. So much happened. I couldn't believe it. It was about ten past nine. And they were in the reservoir. Yeah, a lot happened in this episode. Uh, Should we do some thoughts and theories now? Can we first discuss the fact that that's not Joe's apartment? Yeah, well, so this is in some of the social theories that, yeah, that we keep being shown this apartment to show that there's money coming in from somewhere, i.e. an OCG, and that she's got deadbolts on the door to protect the laptop. Oh, yeah, somebody's theory. Is it her mum's apartment? I don't know. I don't know. Is it Gail Vela's apartment? Would her mother be into a smeg? Yeah, like, that's a stunning, like, it's either an Airbnb or I feel like a full-on, like, celebrity lives there. Like, there's no way on earth she can afford that. Like, it's just not even her style. No, it's not. It doesn't suit, no, it doesn't match her. Guys, property in Belfast is cheaper, though, although I know this is supposed to be the Midlands, so I don't know. Well, property, it's not as if that apartment's in London, as I tried to claim last week. It is in the Midlands, so it will be cheaper, but, like, she's a police officer. Like, I know she's high up, but there's just no way. And there was uh, survey results published on the BBC only a week or two ago that said that, uh, like, the average nurse is locked out of buying in, like, 98% of the UK or something because house prices don't match wages. Oh, pay your nurses. Anyway, that's yeah, another and then the other, pay your Oh, excuse me, pay the nurses in both countries, England and Ireland, please. But also, and I know we're getting sidetracked, but um, it's either Gail Vala's apartment, although journalists don't earn that much either. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I just don't think she lives there because didn't wasn't her apartment searched when she was pulled in for a glass box yeah but they never said which one it was they never mentioned any of the locks or anything about her apartment so maybe they searched different premises it's it's very likely and guys if they'd searched that apartment and they had to like use the thing to like bust the door in all those bolts and locks would have fallen clean off it and they wouldn't have been there for her to use this week 
And they would have pulled her in for question going, where did you get the extra money from? Because you can't afford this number one. So I'd say she gave them a second residence. It obviously wasn't Farida's house because she planted the burner phones there. So she has a third apartment, 100%. Which is definitely dingy. Which is dingy, exactly. Like, I like, John had a nice apartment. So does Steve and Kate, but they're small. So maybe her third apartment is going to pop up somewhere. I just think there's something going on there with that house anyway. Mm. Will I do some social theories or are you going to do some email theories here? No, let's do some social theories. Okay, let's do some social theories. I've broken them down into a general category. So the first batch are all about who was SIO before Joe. And this comes back to, Reb, what you mentioned earlier, Bill McTulloch. Uh, So people have zoomed in on the cuttings that were on the wall at the flat at Beechwood, which was allegedly Terry's flat, which we know wasn't. Um, So in the article on these newspaper um, uh, articles, uh, Bill McTulloch's name was on them. Jane Watson says, uh, see the name of Ryan's training officer McTulloch, uh, the same name of the senior investigating officer who was taken off the Vela case, question mark. So that's what's in that article on the newspaper. Jed does love using repeat um, surnames, doesn't he? Yeah. But there could be a lot more to that. Uh, Somebody with a username Apple sticker says, Ryan has McTulloch R down on his file as his training officer. Who was ahead of the case before Joe was brought on? A certain Billy McTulloch. Uh, This is not a common surname. Uh, And Matt Abrams uh, says, not that I thought it was particularly suspicious, but I did find it odd that after Steve and Kate found Ryan's details on the police servicer, Kate was just like, right, mate, I'm off home. Bye. He was like, it's quite a significant breakthrough. And Kate didn't have a lot of time for it. Hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. It's a good point. They just moved on. And people, a lot of people sent us a screen grab of uh, Ryan's file. And the last line says that Ryan... Uh, did he break into Terry Boyle's flat? With or someone called Carly, but it wasn't Carly Kirk. Yeah, it's different Carly, it says yes. something about Carly Ryan and, and Terry Boyle having had an interaction. So like, I, uh, hello? I, I do, they do, it's not that they explain it, but they do, they are like, oh, that fit, fits with Ryan using Terry as, yeah, I, they don't really go into detail with that, but I think they kind of imply that they know later on in the episode when Steve says the cuckooing and the Ryan thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, perhaps, but they're, it was a bit weird. Although Kate could have been wrecked, guys. She was in a reservoir. Like almost True. trying to, and s- she just yeah. wanted to run off for an Indian. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next batch of, that will uh, come back. I think. Yeah, the next batch of comments are on uh, Joe Davidson. Uh, Matt on Ohayu says Joe is bent by coercion. Still cares for Farida. Joe fails a task. OCG kills Farida. Joe flips to be a UCO for AC twelve. <gasps> Replace Farida with Kate. H the Ridiculous is defeated. Kate is dead. Ted retires. Steve rehabilitates and returns in charge of AC12. Oh my God, I have seen a lot of people thinking that Ted's a goner and Steve's oh going to take God. over. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, Monkey Thumb 68 says, Joe Davidson's well-furnished apartment is to remind us how well off she is thanks to backhanders and bungs, but I feel she has more in common with Lisa from season five than actually being the big H herself. Uh, these next batch of theories are about um, AC9 and Patricia Carmichael Adam Parkin says I'm a bit concerned about who is doing Steve's routine drug tests AC9 are known for having corrupt officers Dot, Akers and Desford Hunter was also under AC9 protection could they use a failed drug test to get at Steve and Tina who Steve shot in the tit yes and Kenny says beware AC9 Dot came from there Jamie not James went there now they're drug testing Steve who said his job is his life will they say they found something more than painkillers lies cost lives could Steve lose his job which is his life oh my god it's also a real way for Steve to be uh, blackmailed by the OCG yeah 
if someone in the OCG is an AC9 and they know that Steve has a problem and they could use with it to blackmail killers. him. Yeah, the way they did with Dot and the gambling. Yeah, because they're like, do you want to lose your job if you don't? Yeah, that's true. Bloody hell. Um, okay, so we're on now to Jackie Lav, Terry and throwbacks to season one. Steve Welsh, 1927 says, I think the return of DC Morton will pull all the pieces of the jigsaw together. Morton retired having taken Please. the caddy's burner phone and potentially knows a lot more about the OCG than anyone else outside of the crime group. Buckles constantly swinging a golf club around the office has to be a nod to the caddy. Morton also has a history of selling stories, tip-offs to the press. Yes. Enter Gail Vella. Oh my God, guys. Steve Welsh, well, I hope what you've said well, it, it is going to happen. It would really tie it all together, wouldn't it? It would be like, We haven't brilliant. connected Morton selling stories to the press to the fact that yeah. Gail Vella is a journey. Yes, so, so good. Uh, Colin Dunn says, back in series one, Ryan was helped and looked after by PC Simon Banerjee. Now, despite Simon helping put Ryan in the care system and getting him back to school, Ryan was still involved with the OCG. Now, the question needs to be asked, was Simon himself part of the OCG, tasked with keeping an eye on Ryan, similar to the position of Ryan himself, is now... And uh, as Ryan is at the same stage that Simon was when helping him, it's something to think about. Yes. Um, also, yeah. Steve didn't. Steve said for a neighborhood police officer, but they, Steve didn't say his name. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is that because it's a bit of a shock when he does return and he's H like? Yeah. Do you know? I don't mm. know. But anyway, yeah, I, 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 I am kind of surprised that Banerjee hasn't come back. Yeah. And Roger 93 says, why did Ted phone buckles after the Jackie Lav realization? Courtesy phone calls aren't usually part of the way AC12 operate. Is Buckles really a mason or is that just Joe throwing shade? So many questions. Uh, Alison B271 says, I have a fiver on shit hitting the fan via Terry's phone eventually. Remember years ago he said he takes a lot of pictures because he forgets things. Then show the OCG the photo of Steve Arnold outside the print shop. Um, John Carter 32 says, the Vela footage is going to be interviews uh, with Terry that blow the entire thing wide open. But surely Vela would have at the very least approached Ted for comment mm. on institutional corruption uh, and I just loved this tweet we got as well from at one in a milli uh, oh sorry one in a milli I'm only getting it now um they said Joe is being used again like Roz did in season four and it's the hashtag I love hashtag Hannah Reznikova <laughs> what a throwback yeah throwback uh, okay finally I'm nearly there um this was definitely the most talked about um bit of season six episode three in our social theories this week and that was chicken licking and the hairdresser so sarah shield says chicken licking working for the ocg to get revenge and help them get maybe kill steve that's why she wouldn't sleep with him hairdressers that's steph's taking a cut from definitely part of jackie laverty holdings uh kendall mint kate says steph is being taken care of by the ocg they're using her to front a money laundering hairdressers that's why hmrc are interested in her she doesn't seem to have spent ted's 50k Mm. hannah mayfield says steph has got to be up to something dodgy was the hairdresser comment a nod to the lovely jackie lav and she's actually in with the ocg maybe lisa recruited her Uh, peter mcgovern says in short steph is now working at one of Jackie Lav's hair salons with links to the OCG. It is OCG money and not money from Ted that's keeping her afloat. What information is she giving them in return? And on who? Ted, Steve, and how long has it been going on? Oh my God. Also, in the words of guys, All Saints. <laughs> um, Jackie Laverty's husband, Andrew Laverty. We heard his name in season one, but like Andrew could be still running some of those hairdressing businesses for yeah, all we okay, know. Yeah, I didn't think Maybe. about that. Uh, and very finally, this tweet from at MadAlex14. My prediction is the hair salon where Steph works is called Chicken Lechen's Hairs a Flechen. <laughs> 
and it's where bum chicka wah wah got her lush blow waves. <laughs> It all comes go. full circle, guys. Oh, my it? goodness. Great Thanks for all theories. of your social theories at ShrinePod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay, let's get into it with the email theories. We got tons, and people put so much effort into it. It's brilliant. So John Quinn says, I think we can now safely say that Buckles is just an idiot. I will die on this hill. I am really, I'm just not too sure about this. I think he might be playing dumb. Finn Parkinson pointed out, like a lot of other people, the H tiles in Steph's house. Margaret McArdle thinks the apartment that Joe is in is actually Gail Vela's. She said the apartment is that of a style of a woman who spends a lot of time at home. Were Joe, were Joe and Gail in a relationship or did they just bond over the quest for truth? Michelle is wondering if Joe could be Tommy Hunter's daughter. And we've got a couple of emails about this. She said that they're both Scottish and that the ages work. And could Kate have replaced fake Kate on Carmichael's team when fake Kate was forced to transfer? And then Michelle is wondering if Kate's actually investigating AC12 for AC3. Lucy Mooney wants to know if Lee Banks became aware that Jimmy Lakewell was talking to Gail Vella, presuming that Jimmy Lakewell is the voice on the tape, and roped in his criminal relation, Carl Banks, into orchestrating her murder. Now, I think that is really plausible. Um, Roberta is also suspicious about Jimmy Lakewell and Gail Vela. Was, was she talking to more Blackthorn inmates? Did they then talk to each other? How does this relate to Ted's meeting with Lee? I know that's been explained away, but I definitely yeah. think that's coming back in some way. Kenneth, among other great theories, questioned, how is Ryan working for MIT? Who is pulling the strings? He's still on probation. I think it was cleared up that that's Buckles. There was also a line mentioned there about a family friend. Who is that family friend? Is that going to come back to be important? Beth had this mad theory that Joe's mother killed Joe's father and Joe had to cover it up. She pulled that from Joe's anger and throwing the glass at the frame with Joni with her and her mother. The OCG then found out about this and that's their hold over her. Fiona sent us a fab email to tell us about Between the Lines. Now, I saw this show being advertised after Lion and Judy um, on the BBC on Sunday. It's produced by World Productions. Oh. Fiona questions, what does this mean? Why are they so involved in police corruption dramas? Why do they keep changing their name? What are they trying to hide? <laughs> Brendan, that's for you to answer on next week's podcast. Okay, I'll take the homework. Stuart, Please do, because I'm really excited and I keep forgetting to look at the um, credits. I don't think I it's on to... the start anymore. I think it's now at the end, at the final credits, yeah, I so, think. Yeah, no, someone sent us a screen, screen grab. I think it is at the yeah. end credits, yeah. Okay, well, we'll be back with full in- intel on that next week. Stuart sent us an email. It is Bad Bob Builder News, guys. He's in the current season of The Syndicate. The new season of which Tatlene, a.k.a. Taj Atwell, is filming. And that's the show that Tatlene, well, Taj said she was filming so she couldn't therefore return to Line of Duty. Stu also noted that he did not spot Nigel Morton's cane. Peter McGovern and Mark Hurst wrote in that Chicken Licken has a part chair in the hairdressers. We spoke about this already. Definitely a call back to season one. There's something dodgy going on there. Felix noticed not only the H tiles in Steph's house, but also the letters on her whiteboard, which I did actually notice yes. myself for once, spell out three ba- uh, three words, shoe, bear, and house. Oh, now, I, thought I, it said beer. I thought it said beer and house missing the E. I was what okay, I thought, so, but lads, my eyes aren't great. 
who knows? And I thought it was just maybe Steph's kids messing around. They're learning to spell. But maybe it's a clue. If you have a suggestion, email us in tryingpod at gmail.com. Neve said, Steve and Kate find out, found out who Ryan was and didn't follow it up at all. I definitely have a problem with this. And she also said, oh, Brendan, I think you read out this email earlier on about the gorgeous restaurants in Belfast. Boba, that do Mediterranean tapas, that it's not a prezzo that Kate and Joe... Oh, yeah, who was that from? Because I remember just reading something on Twitter, but I didn't catch the name. That's from Neve. So she actually emailed us and said, it could, been a, it could have been a second email. She said, Brendan, I'm really sorry, but I have to call you out in those Prezzo comments on the barcade in Joe Frequent just because it would be doing a disservice to what is actually a really nice independent restaurant in Belfast called Bubba that you Mediterranean tapas would recommend it. We are coming straight up. We have lots of plans for when we can finally go to Belfast. I'm very excited. We're going to drive all the way up and listen to the line. Of the second we're fully vaccinated, we'll be, we'll be in Bubba. Guys, yeah, do you know the Hannah? What you mentioned there just briefly about um, how Kate and Steve haven't gone hell for leather after Ryan. Are they just playing the long game, yeah. guys? Ryan's going to pull a serious number next week on someone. He is. He's going to be trying to cover everything up. And I think him yeah, and it could Chris, be Kate or Steve. Yeah, I, I think Ryan's going to attempt, or he's going to. Someone's going to kill Buckles, guys. And I hate to say it because I really do like Buckles in a strange way, even though I think he's uh, a bit lazy. Yeah, I love Buckles as a character, but I. Like, yeah, it was a weird scene because it was kind of rushed. I presume they came back to read it properly later on. But like, like that, Ryan tried to cut Steve's fingers off with a bolt cutters and now he works in the hill. Like, you're not just going to let that slide. No, you would walk uh, into Jerry. HR and you would report him and go, hi, guys, this police officer who's on probation, we have a great reason to believe he tried to just kill a witness uh, or uh, sorry, an alleged um, suspect and a police officer. And uh, he also, I have proof that he tried to cut my fucking fingers off about 10 years ago. And uh, he therefore, Terry Boyle. he exactly. needs to be fired. Just that you just want, you don't have to investigate him. You just go and report him. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to find out more on that next week. There's going to be some huge ac- action scene. And we know obviously next week is a, a big uh, moment because yeah. Steve or Steve Martin Comston said previously that something yeah. big happens at the end of season four. Yeah, I was episode just kind of four, surprised to be honest when they, I thought there'd be a lot more to them having to uncover who Ryan actually was. I thought there'd be a big moment of realisation with Kate. It kind of happened really quickly and a bit just like, oh, that's who he is. You have all the information now. Go and stop him. And then they didn't. Um, but let's see how that plays out. So Sinead said, just a quick observation from tonight's episode. When Kate and Steve look up Ryan's profile, yeah, it's the... Um, McTulloch or observation again Hamish said will Ted try and protect Buckles because of the Masonic connection that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out Colin Dunn is wondering that well humor is that Terry might be Ryan's downfall which will be a really nice turn of events because Ryan has literally terrorized poor Terry since season one which is about 10 years ago now Sarah this is very interesting questions Steve's past she was talking about the fact that he is from the South but lives in the Midlands, that he doesn't really have any friends or family. When he was fucked down the stairs, did we see his parents? We did. did. They visit him? We did. Like, we saw his parents. We, okay. We saw his parents. Okay. But like, there's just not much else going on there. And I understand maybe that the life of a police officer is a bit of a solo mission, but she's just very suspicious about mm-hmm. where he's coming from. Um, which I thought was interesting because you see a lot of that with Kate's background, but never a lot with Steve. Isabel Chin thinks Chloe is AC3's undercover investigating Hastings for Carmichael. I think she could be potentially onto something there. 
Anna is wondering why Steph is still in the show. Just take the 50 grand and go. She thinks she may be integral to H's plot with potential OCG connections. And I kind yeah. of thought the same. It's a very, of all the people that you could bring back, she was a real small outsider character. So there's definitely And I think she's more listed in there. every episode on IMDb for the rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. And now they have her sleeping with one of the big three. Like she went from being John Corbett's wife to being like, a main player in the show. Why? Um, Susanna questions Buckles being a family friend of Ryan. Also, he didn't seem that upset at his arrest, she said, suggesting that maybe, you know, this was the plan all along or he feels like he's going to get off. Could we be in for an urgent exit required? Tim says that Ryan will have a change of heart and end up saving Terry. I honestly think Ryan is so fucked in the head that that's just not going to happen. And I just think he's pure evil. Like, he just didn't hesitate to drown poor Lisa in the lake when it all went wrong. I have a feeling um, like we're not going to see Terry again in this season. Um, uh, I've got a couple of what you had said uh, this week and there's something in it that oh, just great. makes me think that that's Terry done now. That we might we're not hear him, about Terry. But no, we might hear him spoken dead. about, but I, I think that's the or end of... we might get of, his phone, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That is interesting. So he's currently in police custody with AC12 officers surveilling is that where we're going to leave him okay interesting um well, well the cook the cuckoo i can't say that word guys what's wrong with me D- that whole situation is going to exonerate him because now they've proved yeah. that he was used by the ocg and that right, Carl okay. banks okay. was swapped out yeah do you know what i mean so he is currently in the um the, the house with the surveillance but yeah it, it, he it, it's looking like they don't think he's a suspect at all Okay, okay. Um, Victoria, Emma and Deborah Jones said Buckles is playing pick and is actually a really important member of the OCG. I'm with the gals on that one. Alex Watson asked, does chicken licking need a nicking? Among <laughs> other theories, she was very insistent that Steve have a drink with her. Could that make him fail his drugs test? You know, would that persuade him to loosen up a little bit, give some info away? Is she working for the OCG? What's going on with her? Hopefully we get more information next week. Louise emailed in to say, I can't help but notice that Joe is twiddling her pen. The same as Ted. Could this be a coincidence? Joe apparently does it in season six, episode one at 42 minutes and 40 seconds. While Ted does it in season five, episode six at 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Mother of God. Ashley then asks, mother of God, but I will be going back to watch those. Ashley says she thinks Hastings now, I'm here for this, was feeding Gail info for her. And I actually said this last week, so I'm just delighted someone else agreed. Ashley thinks Hastings was feeding Gail info for her podcast slash investigation on the sly because he didn't trust the police and why would he? And that's why he hid his laptop. He feels guilty now that he may have led to Vela being murdered. That's a really good shout. What do you think? Yeah, I yeah, think that's, that's a really good shout. That, think- that would be an avenue for Ted to go if he felt like he was being cock-blocked by Andrea Wise and Rohan and he couldn't investigate fully. He's like, well, if the police aren't allowed to investigate the police, let the journalists investigate the police. And it explains the laptop situation as well. He he might have some more of the files. He might have uh, copies of the recordings on the laptop. Could have left that in there for Gail Vela to collect. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah, Gail, that could have been how they were communicating with each other. Yeah. Well, guys, I would have liked to listen to the other one I suggested this last week, but (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first. Ted has hid that laptop because he's working with Gail Vela. 
Brendan, what Jed said. Okay, this week, what Jed said. A um, couple of tweets from him. He says, the, the and this is what makes me think we might not see Terry on screen again. He says, the brilliant at um, Tommy Jessup uh, performs part of the action sequence from episode three in the water tank. Guys, at Titanic Studios, the glamour. Um, everyone on Line of Duty 6 loved working with you, past tense. Um you can be immensely proud of your achievements. Okay. It makes me feel like that and might have been Tommy Jessup's last yeah. episode Tommy was in amazing. this series. Yeah, um, Tommy was amazing. Tommy uh, was absolutely brilliant. And then the other thing Jed said this week was a great performance from Gregory Piper, who was in and out of a freezing reservoir dozens of times over three bitterly cold nights, always with total dedication to the work and never a single word of complaint. Thanks from all on Line of Duty 6. And that is what Jed said this week. Uh, do you want a little teaser for next week? Oh, we oui, we. Oui. Well, I haven't seen a teaser or a trailer Absolutely. for next week yet, but I have two bits. Brendan, of... would you not recap a scene that we all watched? Oh Go yeah, on. I can do that. Yeah, is that <laughs> is that a new segment now on the podcast? Um, yeah, please. So I've just two tweets um, that kind of give us a look ahead to next week. One is from a BBC continuity announcer called Duncan Newmarch, and he tweeted to say, "If you enjoyed Line of Duty last night, I can promise you that this Sunday's new." episode episode is the best yet possibly the best of all the series so i don't know if he means series six or series one to six oh my god because i'm sure that duncan probably hasn't seen more than one episode in advance guys what's gonna happen yeah and then the second tweet i'm so scared the second tweet is from the 28th of August 2020 when Martin Comston tweeted to say it's been a long few months to linger on that episode 4 bombshell so they had to pause for coronavirus after filming episode 4. Yeah? Yeah. Um, And he said I can tell you it's worth the wait. So we're left at the end of episode 4 on a huge bombshell. We're probably not going to know what the story is and then we're back in at episode 5. Oh my god. And we find out and Martin Comston says I can tell you it was worth the wait. So that is what to expect okay. from Line of Duty season 6 episode 4. So guys when you think about it though right Buckles is being led into a glass box spectacular. Steve is about to get stung I for his wait. painkiller addiction. A lot of people thinking Carmichael will have to come into the glass box spectacular to interview him because he needs to be interviewed by at least one rank as senior. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. I think Chris is going to kill Buckles, or or I don't know. Listen, anything could happen. I really hope that none of the three are going to go. Even though I know that at the same time, Jed always does kill off a main character. It really feels like every episode so far this season, it's getting knocked up a full gear. Like yeah. every episode. Like by the time we get to seven lads, we're not going to be able to cope. Oh my goodness! I'm going to be on a drip. It's <laughs> up to ninety. I wonder. Could Buckles maybe get shot out of the, you know, the glass box spectacular in an urgent exit required? I think another urgent exit required will be a bit tack, but I'd love the drama. Oh, I'd love the drama. What's going to happen, guys? Well, Ryan's like, going to be... There's a lot going on. Ryan as well. We know that it's only a matter of time until Kate or Steve or someone is like, here, get out of here, mate. So that's that might come to a head as well. I also think Chris Lomax could turn around and just blow someone's head yeah. off. I'm really worried yeah. about him, guys. <laughs> um, actually, let's have a look at the poll. 527 votes since we put it up. What wow. do we think about Detective Sergeant Chris Lomax? Dodgy-ish is the 34.9%, but people are very conflicted. What, were the, what were the options on the poll? Okay, the options in the poll. Dodgy-ish, definitely bent, a decent copper. I'm confused. So dodgy issues coming out on top by just a slight percentage, 34.9. Then we've got 30% thinking the decent copper, copper, 
19.9% of people are confused about him. And 15.2% of people think he's definitely bent. Um, yeah, I just think on Sunday now, Chris Lomax is going to do something mental because we're all, you know, the spotlight's going to be on, say, Joe and Buckles and Ted. And then someone from the, you know, Shadows is going to we'll come out like, and do surprise, something mad. surprise, bitch. Guys, also, um, Hannah, I'm just having a look at our Twitter feed. Mark Gray tweeted and said, is the grammar mistake in the hill on the wall worth noting? Maybe, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no apostrophe. It is. (laughs) That's right. Like, honestly, the hashtag uh, is... Killed me. There's a hashtag, is it reading too much into line of duty or line of duty overthinking (laughs) was trending. Overthinking line of duty was trending this week. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Well, I thought a random woman walking into the office was (laughs) a key figure. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm really stressed about Sunday. Okay, let's just shout out some, some of our gorgeous patron Kate of the week. Stephanie Hill, Neve McGaina, Molly Swan, Barbara Mary, Lisa Trabucci, Robin Gracia. Stunning second names. Are you joking? Diana Carroll, Michelle Foster, Richard Dixon and Caroline Murphy. You are keeping us in muffins and blow dries. Thank you so much. If you want to get involved, over on the Patreon, you can search for Shrine Podcasts and join in the fun, guys. Any last, you know, suggestions, guesses, anything you want to be able to say you've got right when we listen back next week? Thoughts about Sunday? I want to see more of Gail Vella. I'm like low-key obsessed with Gail Vella. And it's so funny, guys, isn't yeah. this really funny? So it's uh, she's played by Andy Osho, isn't she? Or Andy, yes. Yeah. It's so funny yeah. because she's a dead character and we've never seen her alive. It almost feels like the actor isn't in the program. Do you get what I mean? Because we're always watching her on like a third screen. Yeah. So I don't feel like she's there in front of me. Isn't that really weird? I would love to hear her full interview with Jimmy Lakewell. Yeah. That's what I, I, I would pass away if they released an accompanying three episode podcast that they paid Andy Osho to do and they got all the actors in. And sorry, if that isn't happening... Could someone do that on a TV show? Is that not the best idea? I would die if they just dropped that next week because she's so incredible in it and I do want to see more from her. And if Joe turns out to be living in her apartment, open those wardrobes up. Let's get a look at the clothes. Let's get a better look at the kitchen. I just feel like there's more from Gail Vella. Give us a look inside that smeg. Definitely 17 Um, bottles of Whispering Angel inside that smeg. (laughs) God, you're drinking like water. Okay, guys. That is it for this week's Shrine of Judy. Thank you to everyone who sent in a thought or theory and to all our stunning patron case. Is there any chance of us getting that clap hockey up real quick? No. No. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yes. Guys, thank you so much. As we really appreciate guys. the support. We love you. And as we prepare for the bombshell episode coming our way this Sunday, you can continue to get in touch with us via email at shrinepod at gmail.com or on the socials at ShrinePod, where Reb will be live tweeting episode four. You can, if that way inclined, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, I'm off to have a glass box spectacular with Reb about her taste in men and to make a hot water bottle for poor Brandon. <laughs> Someone give us a glass of Whispering Angel. Interview terminated. Go on. Piss off. This is TV worth talking about. So we want to hear what you have to say. Find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at ShrinePod. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.